Have you heard about the guys over at Chinook Seedery? They are the only sunflower seed company that is taking the time to connect with college athletes and trying to help them build their brand. They have eight flavors from mild to wild with way less salt and no sandpaper tone. So check them out today over at ChinookSeedery.com. Have you heard of the Bellsmith? He's absolutely amazing. They make the most custom and unique bells. They made one for my son on the championship run in Omaha in 2021. They make game day bells, swashbuckler, artillery, junction, pirate, you name it, they can make it. You can check them out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can find them in different places around Starkville like Maroon and Company. So have them make your custom bell today. Down the right field line. That's got a chance to get out of here, and it will. A two-run home run for Lane Forsyth, and it's 8-4. Now Forsyth just sneaks one in the right field foul pole and gets the home Line in the left field, and that's the base hit. Dakota Jordan will score. Forsyth is going to try to get two, and he slides in safely with a RBI double. Yo, what is up, everybody? It is time again for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my partner in crime, my brother, from another mother, Jim Cross. Jim, Randy's got the night off, but me and you, we're going to get to it, man. Um, we got episode 27 titled Area Code 643 because we got the man himself, Mississippi State baseball star Lane Forsyth, joining us. But, Jim, I got to go to you before he joins us, man. You had the opportunity. You and your son went out to Super Bulldog weekend, man. Um, before we have Lane come on, give us his perspective. Give me the fan perspective on what what you saw, what went down, the atmosphere, just just everything. Man, it's one of those things where I was told that I was not the brightest crayon in the box because I was choosing to go to Starkville over Fayetteville because there were going to be better teams in Fayetteville. Daniel, man, you cannot replace that atmosphere and the battle for the state of Mississippi. It lived up to the hype in its fullest. And, you know, us as dads, man, it's all about what we do for our kids. And my son ranked that as the second best time he's ever had at a sporting event behind Omaha, which obviously you would expect. And so for that kind of environment to have record attendance and to have walk-offs and concerts and everything else in between, it lived up to the hype and some. Yeah, man, it's it's interesting that, you know, when you play up Super Bulldog weekend for what it is, like it could go one of two ways. It could be really hype, really, you know, big atmosphere, almost like a big party. Or if things don't go the way that you hope they do, it, it could be kind of a letdown. But obviously, man, the, the Bulldogs take care of business. So we're going to get into all that. You had a good time from a fan standpoint, from a dad standpoint, but Let's get a player's perspective. So let's bring Lane in. Help me welcome on to the biggest show in podcasting this week, our man, Mississippi State baseball star, Lane Forsyth. All right, our man Lane, how we doing tonight? I'm good. How y'all doing? Man, we are awesome. 
you know, when we scheduled you to come on after Super Bulldog weekend, I could not have imagined it to have gone the way it did. So absolutely exciting times to have you on. But before we get into any of that, before we get into your story, man, let's break the ice a little bit. What's your favorite song right now? Um, I think my favorite song right now would probably have to be something from the new Morgan Wallen uh, album. I like the song, uh, the 98 Braves. I don't know. It's just a, a song kind of, it's one of the catchiest songs I've heard. And so that's a song that I love right now. According to Daniel, all 38 Morgan Wallen songs on the album sound the same. Yeah. <laughs> well, takes- is that, that, that's just, uh, I guess that's some people's preference. Some people <laughs> like them and some people don't. <laughs> I, I could I could drive from Tampa to Starkville, Mississippi, and that track or that album still wouldn't be playing. <laughs> uh, well, but, hey, he's doing his thing. He's doing his thing, though, Lane. Like, nine out of ten guests say Morgan Wallen is it. So, I mean, hey, shout yeah. out to him. It, it may not be our cup of tea, but, hey, it's a lot of other people. So. Somebody's yeah, cup of tea. Yeah, that's right. He's, he's doing something right. <laughs> All right. So, got to know, man, what's your favorite baseball movie? Favorite baseball movie is probably uh, – I like – the wild, the one with I like the one about Wild Thing where he comes out of the bullpen and he's got his hair all cut. Yeah, Major League. That's, that's actually Daniel. One. That's actually Daniel's favorite. So you know you've you've won your way back after the Morgan. Okay. Yeah, that's all that matters. <laughs> all right, last one, and then we'll get into your story, man. Who is your favorite athlete? Whether it's all time, growing up, whatever. Who who's that that one athlete for you? Um. I really like Dustin Pedroia, and I've always liked him since I was a little kid. And so, I don't know, I kind of try to model my game after him. He uh, He's just a hard-nosed, just a dirt dauber, gets after it all the time. And I don't know, I love watching him play and seeing the way he played. Dustin Pedroia, man, that's, uh, that's taking it back a little bit. Um, you know, definitely a, a solid player. Lockdown defender, guy who just like you said, you know, nose to the dirt, gets after it, man. Um, you know, kind of, you know, I, I can see a lot of you as as we've kind of followed you um, in your career. Like we see a lot of that, and a lot of people that Jim talks to has a lot of like the same, you know, reflections of you as a player, like a guy who's going to do it the yeah. right way, work really hard. Um, you know, and just kind of just get after it every day. It's almost as though like you're you're playing every every pitch, every inning, every game, like it's the the last one you'll ever play. So um yep. I want to get into the backstory a little bit and get into, you know, why, you know, that kind of mantra has, has stayed with you for so long. But uh, in order to do that, we need to learn a little bit about where you're from and how you grew up. So talk to me a little bit about where you're from. Yeah, so um, I'm from Jackson, Tennessee. It's a, uh, it's not just a small town, but it's not real big. Um, you know a lot of people. I mean, everywhere you go, you know somebody there. Um, I went to a very small private Christian school and went there kindergarten through 12th grade. And so I knew pretty much everybody there. And 
I mean, 90% of my graduating class, I was there when they, with them from K through 12th. So it was very, just, it was kind of a small town where you know everybody. Yeah, very, very familiar with the Jackson area. Um, obviously, Jim and I, you know, growing up in Memphis, it's kind of a, a short little trip up the up the interstate to get to Jackson. Oh, um, yeah. But tell me a little bit, you, you mentioned small, you know, small school, you went there, you know, your your entire you know academic career um but mom dad both athletes at jackson state tell me a little bit about growing up you got any brothers or sisters or just you the only child uh yeah um i got a little sister she is 13 right now so she's actually what's that she's eight years younger than me and um i mean we're being we've been kind of far apart and just because Eight years is not, not too many. It's not too close together. But uh, yeah, that's my little sister. Both my parents were athletes. My dad played baseball at Jackson State. My mom, she was a gymnast, and she actually got asked to go to the Olympics. I think once or twice for gymnast or gymnastics, and she turned it down because she didn't want to have to move to the training facilities. But uh, yeah, I like to joke around with my dad a lot and tell him that's where I got my athletic ability. <laughs> I mean, gymnasts are no joke. We interview them on here, and we watch them. Hey, I, I kind of believe it watching the way you play defense, brother. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's where I got my flexibility. I mean, it, if I had to bet, and I'm a betting man, I would bet that in everyone's prime, your mother is definitely the most athletic. Oh, yeah. I would, I would bet on that, too. So talk to me a little bit about your sister. You got – guys are eight years apart i'm, I'm just curious because i'm um my wife and i we're expecting a daughter in the next you know four four weeks or so but i have a daughter and so my kids are going to be almost six years apart and i'm kind of rustling with the ideas are, are they going to be close are they going to get along or is it going to be is it too far of a gap for them to have anything in common so i ask you man oh, yeah. obviously is there some commonality there? And if not, like, what do you do to build closeness? Oh, yeah, there is there's definitely some commonality. Uh, me and my sister are some of the closest that, I mean, you can really get, you can't really get much closer than me and my sister, even though we are eight years apart. But, um, I mean, we kind of just find a commonality in things that we like. And she loves, she's a volleyball player, so she loves volleyball so whenever she wants to play volleyball she i play volleyball with her in the backyard we'll bump the ball and then in sports also she plays softball but volleyball is her thing but um we'll go hit off the tee together she'd always be watching me in the cage she'd go to all my tournaments she'd be in the stands all the time playing with little barbie dolls out in the stands while we're playing in atlanta or something like that and she was just always there watching and always there supporting me and yeah, we're, we're as close as you can get with brother and sister, even though we are eight years apart. So outside of, of playing softball and volleyball with your sister, when you were growing up, were there any other sports that you played? Um, yeah, I played football until my freshman year of high school. And then once I kind of committed to Mississippi State and got some offers and stuff and started getting serious into baseball, I kind of caught it quits on football just – that didn't want to risk an injury or anything like that and risk them being able to take my scholarship away. 
So what? And and remind me of the school again that you played for. I played for um Trinity Christian Academy. Trinity Christian. So it's a small world. I have a I have a I have a friend. Jim has the same friend that we went to high school with, played football with. His name is Alan Irvin. You ever heard? Oh of that yeah. Guy? <laughs> oh yeah, that's my guy, Coach Irv. So let me let me tell you about Coach Irv. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some insight that nobody I don't I don't we may have talked about it when we had him on on the show uh, <laughs> way back, but Coach Irv Allen he he lived in my neighborhood and he would ride his bike and I had a dog a pretty big dog and Coach Irv is not the biggest fan of big dogs. My dog <laughs> is is a barker, oh, but but not like a. Not an aggressive Man, dog. You bull mean. crap. That dog had me scared <laughs> one time, scared for my life. You a lie. That's just that's just because he's your dog. You don't think he's aggressive. <laughs> Anyhow, so Kurt Coacher thinks my dog is chasing after him on his bike. Coach Irv, instead of looking in front of him, is riding his bike looking behind him at the dog that's chasing him, supposedly, and runs. <laughs> Dead into a brick mailbox. Oh gosh! And sure. I, I promise you, this was the most unbelievable, like, magic, voodoo stuff that I've ever seen in my entire life. The mailbox completely crumbled, but oh, I don't somehow, know. somehow, Coach Herb kept riding the bike. He rode through a mailbox, dude. I'm telling you, it was Good unbelievable. Lord. Which prepared him to later when we would go against each other in football practice for him to truck stick me. So yeah, yeah, I don't and, doubt it. And to that day, I knew that despite Coach Irv's, because the Coach Irv that you know was a big dude, like thick, had some muscle on him. The Coach Irv that oh, yeah. I knew growing up, he wasn't like that. He was strong, but not that kind of strong. But I knew he had it in him because I've seen I've seen what he was capable of. But saw uh, him run through a, saw him run through that brick mailbox. Right. But, but I, the but the best part about this whole thing coming around, Lane, um, and and me and Daniel were talking about before the show, and he was he he was remembering back because it was so long ago. He was our second guest ever that we had on the show, and when wow. uh, Daniel had asked him what was the one athlete that he would say was the best athlete he was working with at your school he said your name so to seven seasons later have you on is just kind of wild because he mentioned your name all the way back in high school wow that's crazy uh it's kind of crazy that he would mention my name uh because i know he works a lot of top tier athletes that come out of jackson in all sports not just baseball so it's kind of crazy that he mentioned my name Daniel, with the way Allen works, you know, the, the the way he works hard and we talk about Lane, do you think that's probably what garnered Allen's attention was Lane's work ethic? Yeah, he was like, Lane, I think, could run through a mailbox too. So, <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, man. He, yeah, he, he definitely, he, he definitely like when he's the type of guy that when he starts talking about anything really you listen because he has like this like believability because of experience but also because he knows like just got yeah. a knack for, for spotting talent he's got a knack for developing talent and you know the way he talked about you like we see it play out every every 
weekend when we turn on the TV, we turn on SEC Network or ESPN, like we see it. So, um, you know, definitely, you know, kudos to you um, for the hard work that you put in because people are noticing it, people see it. Um, but I want to get into the, yeah, man, yeah. I want to get into the nitty-gritty, though, man. Letterman four times for head coach Jeremy Maddox at Trinity Christian Academy. You were selected team MVP as a sophomore and a junior. You were perfect game preseason All-American, high honorable mention as a senior. You were perfect game preseason underclass All-American, high, honor, high honorable as a junior. You helped Trinity Christian to a Tennessee uh, Division 2-1A state runner-up finish as a junior. Um, with all of those different seasons and different accolades, what moment in high school was your was your favorite? Um, I'd have to say just making it to the state tournament and making it to um the state championship game. Um, even though we lost, kind of still bitter about that the way we lost, but uh, uh, yeah, just making it to the state tournament, and making it to um that state championship game because that's what you. I mean, in high school, that's what you work for. And then once you get to college, you work for the College World Series and all that. But in high school, that's all you know is you want to get to the state championship game and you want to play in the state championship and be a state champion. So it, that's probably my favorite moment. <clears throat> so, you know, obviously that's that's a big-time accomplishment. I mean, making it to postseason in baseball is hard to do. Making it to state championships in baseball is hard to do, and whether you win it or you lose it, it's still an unbelievable season to get you there. So obviously, your your high school seasons were were incredible. But talk to me a little bit about travel ball season. Who did you play for for travel? Yeah, so um, I played for Tim Doolin with the uh, Doolin Dodgers out of Memphis. They uh they moved their organization out to Texas now, but I played with them out of Memphis and. We'd have all the showcase days and all that stuff at colleges, and we'd go play in Atlanta and Florida and all over the country. But that's who I played with in the summer. And Tim Doon, he's he, he's probably another one of those guys that helped me to get to where I am today and helped me accomplish the things that I've been able to do. So, you know – between travel ball and high school ball, which one, I mean, and most of the time the answer is pretty clear cut, but in this case, because you were so good at high school and your team was so well accomplished in high school, but also when you mix in your travel ball playing for Tim Doolin, um, you know, which one of those provided you the the better avenue to pursue baseball at the next level? Um, yeah, I think probably Doolin's kind of got me out there and got my name out there. But um, I think Trinity also had it, something to do with it just because, um, I mean, it was a smaller school and kind of a smaller town. And so there wasn't too many people coming out to Trinity. But um, Doolin's definitely got my name out there and probably helped the most just from going to tournaments and getting scouts and all that stuff at the games and getting my name out there. And like I said, we, um, we would have college days at all the different colleges every year. And so we would show up and put on a showcase and it'd be all the guys from our organization that they wanted to go. And 
they would get to we would get to showcase our talent and just show what we could do and get the coaches or get our names on the coaches' radars and stuff like that. So when did you or well what colleges did you start getting on their radars and like was it a showcase or was it a actual tournament or a game like what was it when colleges started or when you noticed colleges starting to pursue you and talk to you uh yeah it was about it was probably my summer um after my freshman year so going into sophomore year of high school I started really talking to colleges and talking to some of the bigger colleges like Tennessee and Alabama and Mississippi State and Vanderbilt were my top four and so that those were the main ones I talked to and those were the I mean, those are kind of the ones that I had on my list to go to out of high school. And, I mean, Doolin's really helped me get there and helped me do that and get to talking to those coaches and things like that. But, yeah. So, Lane, you're the first guest we've had on since the rules been passed. I want to I want to get a take from both of you, uh, and I'll start with you, Daniel. Um, the new rule being passed down. So, you know, for, for the way Lane and his recruiting process was, it's no longer allowed. Um, you can't talk yeah. to him that early. So, Daniel, before I ask Lane how he feels, how do you feel about it? I think there's a level of, like, I think you 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 don't know what you don't know. So you got to give young players the opportunity to learn some things that they don't know before you ask them to make a decision that's going to ultimately really determine, like, a lot of, the trajectory of their future. Um, so, like, I don't disagree with the rule, but I'm I'm wondering, like, why now? Why all of a sudden now? All right. So, for you, Lane, as a as a guy who got recruited when you did, uh, do you think, or how do you feel about the rule, and do you think it would have changed the trajectory in which you went on? Um. Yeah, I like the rule because the college coaches aren't allowed to recruit and or they can recruit but they can't talk to you and do the things that you can while you're so young and so it kind of gets to where they aren't just betting on who the player could be they um they're seeing who they are and who they have like how they've developed all the way through high school and all the things like that and I think also that um I think NIL money kind of has something to do with it too a little bit just because if you would be seeing high schoolers right now with freaking probably a hundred thousand dollars just chilling and I mean that's just not any kind of money that young people like that need right now um and that early and I really don't think it would have changed anything with me just because Mississippi State was on the top of my list and I mean when I came here I I met the coaching staff, even though I committed to Coach Canizero, but then Lamonis came in, and he was still great, and he's a great coach. And, um, yeah, I just – I don't think it would have changed anything because I really – I really was going just for the baseball and, um, I mean, the stadium that they have now and all the things like that. I mean, you really just can't beat it. So outside of um, just – we'll call it the atmosphere – what was what was the big push? Was it, you know, 
where you always wanted to go? Was it the lineage and the history? Um, was it the players or was it one in particular thing on a visit that helped you go, you know, Mississippi state is for me. Um, I mean, honestly, uh, growing up, I always wanted to go to Vanderbilt just because it was the closest college to where I lived. It was in the same state. Um, they were always really good and they were always in Omaha. And, um, but then later on when I got into college, I started realizing that it's also about like a lot of other things like grades. Cause you gotta be <laughs> eligible and stuff like that. And I, I didn't think I was smart enough to go to Vanderbilt. And so I kind of marked them off my list a little bit and, uh, Mississippi State kind of popped into my head just because I, I went and took a visit there, and I really liked how it was a smaller town, smaller college town, just like my hometown is. And uh, it kind of just takes a lot of distractions away because if you're in a big city, you have a lot of distractions. You can focus on other things besides what you need to be focusing on, like baseball and school and things like that. So that's kind of what did it for me. Yeah, on the Vandy academics thing, I mean, it's a it's a real deal. We had Hayden Leatherwood on here, you know, seasons ago, and uh, he talked about how, you know, he didn't even make it to the baseball portion because he said the first semester at Vandy was so hard, he had to get out of there. Like, he said the academics yeah. were the – he said when he was at Collierville, he didn't deal with anything like that. And so <laughs> yeah, heck no. Wayne, I, I got – I, I want to interject this for a second because I'm curious. Because we, we got Hayden's story about going and then realizing he was in over his head as yeah. far as academics. But you not making this, the decision to go, now that you have some semesters of school, of college under you, mm-hmm. do you think you could have done it? Um, I think I could have, but I also think that – um. Would it, would it have be, taken away from any like would it have taken away like any time that you spend in the cages, any time you spend on the field, any time that you spend actually like enjoying college life? Uh no, I don't think it would have. Um, just because everybody talks about you're all you're all you don't have much time in college, but I mean if you know how to manage your time and you have a schedule that you set it's it's not too hard to do your schoolwork, get in the cages, get the work you need to be done in, uh, eat, get on a good he- healthy plan like a diet, get on all that kind of stuff. So it's not it's not too hard once you get there and get in a routine. But that's the biggest key is getting in a routine and learn how to manage your time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, obviously we're going to get into why you made the right choice of the two schools, but, uh, you know, you get to Starkville, man, what are the emotions? Like you obviously talk about being, uh, from a small town and, and Starkville is its own place, but man, you're playing in the Mecca of college baseball and duty noble, man, you're coming to a school that just went to back-to-back Omaha appearances. Like, are you nervous or are you excited? Um, for me, I'll get I get more excited than nervous just because I feel like I've kind of been in big situations and big time atmospheres and stuff my whole life and just playing with Doolins and being in tournaments and big time stuff like that with perfect game and all this stuff like that. But, um, it's definitely, it's definitely not as, you don't realize how, um, let's see, what's the word? You don't realize how 
big and important and crazy the atmosphere and things like that is going to be until you play your first game and you step on the field for the first time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to get into some of these games that, uh, that for you that have been absolutely amazing. Um, you know, that freshman year, man, you started 58 games at shortstop appeared at the plate 186 times, um, batting average of 231 on base percentage of 321, um, collected 30, 30 runs on 43 hits. while gaining 21 RBIs had the second highest, uh, assist on the team and second most, uh, fielding double plays, you know, uh, you take over at shortstop Cameron James is, uh, we call him the Prince of the podcast. Um, you know, three time guest. He, uh, you know, I covered him in high school. Uh, it's like, he's like family. Um, you know, for us, you know, we had him on and we knew what the, we talked to him coming in, what his expectations were at shortstop. You end up taking over short. He moves to third. You know, what's that conversation like? Is it awkward at all? Or is it, hey, we're going to do what's best for the team and we're good with this? Yeah, it it wasn't awkward at all for me. Um, And thank goodness Cameron James is a great person and a great guy. And he understood what needed to be done and what the coaches were um just doing and how it needed to be done for the team. And he was very good about it, went about it in a great way and he was he was very he was just very team-minded and put the team first and very selfless in that and he saw the the brighter side on it well yeah and, and clearly coach Lamonis had it right based upon the way you played the way it worked out for Cameron Cameron says it was the right move he he ended up feeling comfortable at third base his dad felt more comfortable with him at third base and then with what you were doing at shortstop it was clearly the right choice uh you know because you know you got your mom's gymnastics skill because you're flying all over the place <laughs> ridiculous plays so uh you know coach, shout out to coach Lamonis for for making a move that some people you probably you know didn't agree with or didn't understand and you come in as a freshman and show yep. that you know you were meant to be there Obviously, some struggles at the plate, something that you wanted to prove on. But let me ask you a question. Me and Daniel were actually talking about this, but we were we were talking about basketball before the show. We were talking about, you know, uh, Russell Westbrook had a very tough shooting night, but he did everything else. And at the end of the day, he said he felt like he did what he needed to do for his team. We know that you've had some struggles in that, that freshman season, specifically batting. Do you still feel at peace about it because you bring what you bring to the table defensively, even though you we know you want to bat better? So I'm not saying you're okay with it, but do you feel a little bit better because you know what you bring defensively? Uh, yeah, and one of the first conversations that uh, I had with Lamonis and Coach Gotro whenever they said that I was going to start was they were telling me that they really didn't care if I batted 200 or 350. It didn't really matter. They – really just wanted me to make the routine plays and some of the really good plays and do what I do on defense and the hitting would come around. But, um, yeah, I think it definitely helps or definitely, it definitely worked out. And norm, a lot of times what I tell myself when I'm not hitting good or I'm not doing my thing on batting is to try and be a impact the game on defense and try to do something on defense that, just helps my team win and helps the team better off throughout the night and throughout as the game goes. Yeah. And as huge college baseball fans, you know, we watch games every single weekend, all the different teams. And um, a lot of it, 
you know, a lot of teams lose games because of the the errors and the miscues on defense. So it can't be undervalued how good it is, especially in the middle infield, to have guys that are reliable like yourself. But, you know, let's talk about the atmosphere. You said, you know, you talked about you had played some big games, man, but regionals and super regionals that year, you know, talk to me about first, you know, because obviously it got larger with each, you know, each one with, with regionals and super regionals. But talk to me about – Man, the dude is completely rocking, completely packed out. What it was like in that atmosphere that first time? The first time um, that we played in that atmosphere, I think, was it was the regional game. And I think we were playing Samford or somebody like that or VCU. And it was the game. It was VCU. It was the game to go to the Super Regional. And that was honestly probably, other than my first game playing, that was – the first time I really kind of blacked out running onto the field and didn't really remember going out on the field just from that electricity and that atmosphere. And it, it really is crazy. You don't realize how many people are in the stands when you're on the field, but once that place gets rocking and it gets going, you, it makes that 15,000 or however many is there sound a lot more than it is. Yeah, absolutely. And so then it gets even larger, you know, you get Notre Dame comes to town um, y'all, you know, set uh, an attendance record then for a uh, for a super regional. You know, was it any different? I'm not talking about because it was super regional in the sense of it was to go to Omaha. But as far as the crowd, could you feel it? The electricity did it feel larger? Oh yeah, it definitely felt larger. It also was because I think the crowd was just into every pitch, and they knew how big of a game it was and how big the scenario was it was um occurring and how every single play every single pitch mattered so much and so they were just locked in the whole game all three games it was and it was electric so you guys punch your ticket to Omaha it's every kid's dream to go to Omaha you go to a school like that because you expect to go to Omaha but could you really have foreseen yourself when you when you take a step back being a freshman starting at shortstop on a team that is going to Omaha. I mean, is, was that not like? Did it feel like it was a dream? Oh yeah. I mean, still to this day, it feels like a dream and feels like it wasn't real. Just to be there and win it and do the things that we did, it really still doesn't even feel real. So you know, y'all win the whole thing, and as we said, we we're gonna bring up you know against Vandy. So you know, it's kind of a, a cool that you tell us that backstory because we have no clue that that Vandy was the top option possibly for you. And so for you to go to Mississippi State and then beat Vanderbilt makes it even cooler. But, you know, you were on the College World Series all-tournament team. You know, y'all get it done. I got to ask, man, you know, it's it's been a while since we've – because a lot of the most recent Mississippi State guests were not a part of that title team. So I got to ask you, you yeah. know, two years later, like, do you still get goosebumps? Do you still get chills? Do you – you know, even though you're playing trying to win another championship, has the feeling went away? Oh, it definitely it definitely hasn't. Every time you run out onto that field and onto any field, really, you you remember the things that have happened. And anytime you hear like the song play that you run out to onto the field, you always remember and get those goosebumps and remember the good times that you had and remember all the good things that happened. And yeah, no, you 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 never forget the memories that you make on the baseball field. Well, I'll tell you, like I've told every guest uh, from Mississippi State that's a part of that team, um, you know, you saw my son this past weekend 
Um, he got to yeah. be there all 11 days in Omaha. Um, you know, shout out Greg James as usual. Um, in 2021, he will bleed maroon and white for the rest of his life. He uh, he's been to Disney World twice since. He said both times it wasn't better than Omaha. <laughs> Omaha was the best time of his life. Daniel can verify. And so I shout out every one of you guys because um, that was you guys that were out there making him love this game and love Mississippi State. And now, like I said, I've tried to inject purple and gold in his veins, Lane. It won't <laughs> take. It rejects. And so well, uh, he's maroon and white for life, brother. That's all right. That's good. I'm glad we could have an impact on him and uh, make him love the sport even more than he already did, I'm sure. Yeah, no doubt. So sophomore season, let's get into it, Um, you know. Obviously, a tough season for you guys, man. Injuries just piling up. Um, you know, you appeared in 48 games. Obviously, you're at shortstop again. Um, you did up that batting average to 273. I remember you even going on a little heater for a while, um, which got a lot of people excited because they had been rooting for you to uh to be able to, you know, not only have that defensive prowess about you, but also be able to hit uh, much better. So shout out to you for uh, you know, increasing that batting average by almost 50 points. Um, but the thing I want to talk to you about, man, the first time I saw you step on the mound, I was like, holy crap, dude, Lane's pitching. <laughs> Is that something that happened because of all the injuries that mounted up, or was it something that was actually a possibility before that? Um, no, it really, it really wasn't even brought up until we started having the injuries. And I just one day had said something kind of jokingly that uh, to Coach Lamonis and Foxhall saying that. I mean, if they need some help, then I could help them out and maybe get on the bump a little bit. And I guess they kind of took it and ran with it. And I think Biloxi, when we played against, I think it was Texas Tech, we had the series in Biloxi with them. That was the first time I got on the mound and really threw a bullpen. And, uh, I mean, and then two weeks later, I was on the mound in the game. So it was kind of crazy, kind of chaotic. Daniel, you were a pitching coach, you know, University of Tampa, man. For you, what's it like when when you just you got injuries mounting up and you got to go over to your shortstop and say, "Hey, brother, it's time." <laughs> I mean, it's it's honestly the easiest part of part of my job because there's no expectations. It's like, <laughs> can you throw it over the plate? I don't care yeah. how far they hit it; just let them hit it, actually, and see what we can do behind it. Yeah. I think when it comes to that, it's there's always usually, and Lane, you've probably been around it. There's like one guy that you can always go to that you know, like you never want them to have to pitch, but if you got into a bind and you needed someone to eat up some innings just to save some arms and, and kind of get you to the next day, there's always that one guy from the positions that wants to relive something. So uh, oh, yeah. it's all. It's always helpful to have one of those guys, definitely. Um, but you never want to have to use them, that's for sure. What's What's funny, Daniel? Yeah, is there's always. Like... Go ahead. Sorry, there's always those few guys that were like, yeah, position players that threw 95 in high school that think they can still get on the bump and throw it that hard. So you just always have those guys that you can go to. What makes it great, Daniel, is so Lane is a fan favorite um you know on twitter and you you know how mississippi state fans can be they have a lot that they're <laughs> not their favorites but lane is a fan favorite so oh, yeah last year when pitching would be struggling daniel the go-to would always be like you know take this dude out you know they were rude about it let's call it what it is but they were like 
we just just put Forsyth out there, you know, because they love Lance. <laughs> like if, if you know if we're gonna if we're gonna have this kind of struggle pitch on anyway, let's go ahead and get our boy Lane out on the mound. So he was actually they wanted him more. They didn't see him enough. Yeah, it was it was crazy. And breaking news while we're doing a Mississippi State episode, Lane and Daniel, Dakota Jordan, by request of the people, just messaged me and said he wants to come on the podcast. So for all the state fans listening, Dakota Jordan is coming to a podcast near you. But oh, yeah, my boy one, DJ. Yeah, that that dude had a weekend, and we're fixing to get into it. So you know, let's just let's just jump into this season, man. You know, last year was kind of rough anyway. Let, let's get let's get into it. You know, obviously. Um, a slow start, but you know, y'all get that first SEC win in a long time over a very good top five ranked now South Carolina team, and then you get series win over Alabama, series win over Ole Miss. Let's start with that South Carolina win. Being that y'all had had such a slump in the SEC and it had been a long time. How good did it feel, even even for a guy like you that was a national champion, just to man get that monkey off your back and get that game? Oh yeah, it was it was huge because I mean, you know, too, there was just a huge weight on everybody's chest, on everybody's shoulders, just knowing that we hadn't done that and it had been so long. And so as soon as we got that win, I think I don't I think it was Coach Lamonis who said it in the uh, after game little meeting with everybody he said something along the lines of uh we got the monkey off our shoulders and so now it's time to roll and I think even the fans everybody knew that we once we got that first one out the way and got that weight off our shoulders that it was gonna it was gonna start clicking a little bit yeah no doubt so you get that and then you have the Alabama series so now not only do you got a win but you get a SEC series win so like I mean could y'all feel like, you know, things were starting to turn? Yeah, we did. Um, we started off slow, and then after we got that win against South Carolina, who we knew was very good and who had been hot, we um, we knew that we had a good team. And some of the South Carolina players had told us during the games that we had a good team to just keep working hard and keep playing because we they had played some good teams this season so far, and we were one of the better teams that they played. And so we knew we had a good team, and we just knew that we had to, at the right time, at God's timing, that it would just click and everything would roll. And so that Alabama series really helped uh, boost the momentum, too, and boost the confidence uh, in everybody and just get us kind of clicking and get us on the right track. Yeah, no doubt. And so that carries into this weekend, man, Super Bulldog weekend and – you know, obviously, like we said, I saw you there. Um, you know, first night, close game, loss, you know, obviously didn't go the way you wanted. But, man, let, let's let just jump into Saturday. Dude, first of all, you know, let me let me pull the number up in front of me. Uh, I actually had it off, uh, off the top in my head, and I just all of a sudden forgot it. 16,423 people. We were just talking about those crowds, but those were for super regional and regional games, Lane. Man, this is – this yeah. proves that it just means more in Mississippi because everybody was there to see it. And so let me ask you, Lane, man, 16,423 people and y'all walk it off, man. Walk. I watched it, but I want you to walk me through that, that whole man scene. Yeah. Well, um, well we brought, so going into the top of the ninth, we have Nate Dome who 
he's been our guy all year long that we go to in sticky situations or anytime we need to just hold a lead and he's been dominant for us and he just he didn't have his better out or one of his better outings and but he ended up keep kept fighting and kept competing and filling up the zone and got us into a good situation with a little bit of momentum to come back and swing the bats and uh they brought in Ole Miss had brought in a freshman and in that situation with that big of a crowd and all all those people chanting for Mississippi State and it just being that electric, it's a, it's a lot for a freshman to handle, and we knew that. And so Coach Lamonis and Coach Gotro just kept saying, pass the bat, pass the bat, and we got a few guys on with walks, and then they just they couldn't stop the inning, and the inning kept rolling, and the crowd kept getting louder and louder, and then Dakota came up, and he got ahead in the count with a 2-0 count and got a good fastball to hit, and I guess the rest is history. <laughs> I mean, yeah. everything else, you kind of – with that big of a crowd and that electric, you kind of just black out whenever the situation happens. You don't remember much. So, who makes the decision for y'all – or were y'all just following Dakota? Who makes the decision for y'all to run all the way out there to the outfield and jump up on the wall? Well, Dakota, he's one of our faster players, and so we were kind of just chasing him, trying to catch up with him. And then we finally got his shirt off, and we just followed him all the way out there into the outfield. Yeah, I was like, I was like, where are they going? And then uh, next thing, you know, and, and you know, I talked to Kate Smith afterward because you know it's clear that he took a shower and and everything. I said, you went and got cleaned up, didn't you? And he said, I had to, man. We got drinks spilled all over us over in the outfield. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. We got out there in the outfield and they started throwing beer and all kinds of stuff all over us. <laughs> man, didn't they know y'all had a concert to go to? And that I was know, the, I and know. that was the other they part I wanted. To, that's the other part I wanted to ask, man. How cool is that? I mean. Y'all, y'all win that game, you walk off. We talk about Super Bulldog weekend. Then, man, y'all get to, you know, go out there and watch a concert on y'all's field, man. Like, I mean, how cool was that experience? Oh, it was awesome. It was it was honestly kind of felt like a movie kind of day just because what happened with the game and then kind of felt like it was kind of scripted and then got to go to an awesome concert and just be with all the teammates and guys after a good win, after a good walk-off win and setting an attendance record. And it was kind of just – kind of scripted and kind of felt like a movie yeah no doubt so business was not done yet though you had to come out Sunday y'all had to win um and that y'all did man you you get the you get the series win over Ole Miss and so like I said back-to-back series wins over Alabama over Ole Miss it feels like the you know because we talk about Dakota but he's not the only one we talk about the the freshmen are now seeming to get comfortable the veteran leadership is there between you and the other guys. It really feels like this team is starting to come together um, with those two. And then you got Auburn on deck, which, you know, don't sleep on anybody. But based upon what I've seen, I feel like Mississippi State is definitely a better team. So, like, I feel like there's a chance for some really good momentum for this team coming off back-to-back series wins and then going to a team where I feel like y'all can definitely go take care of business. So, I mean, give me the pulse of the team right now. Obviously, you're on a high because you beat Ole Miss. But I mean, are you are y'all feeling the same way I'm feeling about y'all? Like y'all have turned the corner, like, hey man, we can do this thing. We can get back in contention. Oh yeah. Um, I think we always knew that we had it and we had it in us and we could do it. It just it's not on our time, it's on God's time. So he has his timing is always perfect and you just have to trust the process and trust his timing. And uh I mean, once you feel, once you get everything to click and you get that momentum going, you you got that confidence. So you step in the box or you step out there on the mound, and 
you just have that much more confidence and kind of you just kind of know you're going to win and know you're going to take care of business and do your job the best you can. And so that's all that you can really focus on and all you can uh, control. Yeah, absolutely. Well, game by game. And so I wish y'all nothing but the best of luck. I will have my little diehard uh, state fan there for <laughs> Arkansas. So I look forward to seeing y'all back in a few weeks and hopefully man, uh, Hey, we can, we can do it again and have some fun. Yes, sir. Sounds good. I appreciate you. All right, Lane, before you bounce, man, we got to play a game. All right, let's play it. You, you, you down? I mean, only oh, yeah. 200 plus guests have played this game. So if you don't play, you'd be the first. <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, I reckon I reckon I'll play. I don't want to start a bad trend or anything. All right, because this is a Mississippi State episode, this edition of This or That is brought to you by the Bellsmith. You know the Bellsmith? Oh, yeah, I do. You better, you better. Anybody that's a Mississippi State fan probably knows the Bellsmith. If you don't, you need to know them because you need to go get your custom bell. Um, you name it, he'll do it. You, you, you pick it. He'll do it. But, I got the most interesting background, Daniel. I got LSU stuff everywhere, and then I got cowbells on every top of my baseball boxes. Yeah, <laughs> I saw those in the background. It, it's crazy, but I mean. What what's really neat is, um, Jim's son, Jim sh sent me a picture. I guess what it was like a media picture, wasn't it, Jim? Yeah, man. They uh they got him out there at Mississippi State's uh, social media account out there ringing that bell. Yeah, he's got his own bell, just giving it hell. Well, well, it's actually it's actually Kenley Hawk's bell, and let me tell you, I had a talk with Brooks, oh, yeah. and then and then Brooks had a talk with Jackson. My my man, my little fixing to be eleven year old has his first crush, Daniel, and it's a guest of this show. <laughs> mm, mm -mm. Well, I, I, did you see the video I sent you? I, hey, Lane, this man went up to her during the softball game, and and, and went and had to wave and get her attention. Like I'm, he's never <laughs> like Cameron James is his favorite baseball player. He ain't never tried to get his attention during the game. You know what I'm saying? So you you can, oh, you yeah. can really tell what's going on here. Yeah. Hey, he likes them athletes. That's a good thing. <laughs> there you go. But all right, Lane, let's get into it, man. This or that. It's very simple. I'll give you two options. You choose one option or the other. Can't say both. Can't say neither. Just be decisive and pick one. You ready? <laughs> all right. Sounds good. All right. If you had the ability to do one, one of two things, teleport or use a time machine, which one would you pick? Oh, I think time machine. Where would you go? Would you go backwards um, in time or forwards in time? I think that I'd go backwards just because uh, I always remember. It's always just amazing being a kid and not having any worries. And so I think I would go back. Yeah, that'd, that'd be pretty sweet. Uh only mode of transportation is a donkey or a giraffe. Which one are you picking? I'm gonna go with the giraffe. I mean, it's the sexy pick. I'm I'm gonna give you that. Maybe the not the not the most effective use of of uh, transportation. Yeah. But, you know, I think probably, I think a giraffe because I'm a shorter guy, so I kind of want to know what it's like to see to look down from up there. <laughs> I can respect that. 
Would you rather be the fastest person in the world or would you rather be able to fly? Oh, I think I'd rather be able to fly. I think I mean, flying either, would be pretty sick. Either way, you're gonna you're gonna be able to catch Dakota before he makes it to the outfield. So <laughs> Yeah, that's right. All right, would you rather be trapped in a ro romantic comedy with your enemies or a horror movie with your friends? Rom com with enemies, horror definitely, movie with friends. I definitely say a horror movie with my friends. I mean just because I don't know, I I like I like horror horror movies and watching them and I feel like I feel like most people that are in horror movies are kind of dumb and they do dumb things. And so I feel like I could I could outsmart them. Well, let, let me tell you this. Every horror movie that's out there, the 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 person, whoever the killer is or whoever like the bad guy is, is always walking everywhere. Like if you're dumb yeah, enough to to get it from someone who's just walking, like you. That's you why I like. That's why I like that parody commercial, Daniel. I don't know if you ever saw, but it's, it's recent, like in the last year, and they're like, it's it's like making fun of scary movies. It's like we're being chased. Let's run into this house and go upstairs, like where they're trapped. You know, basically, right. let's do whatever the dumbest decision yeah, yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. All right, Lane. Would you rather have your original Sunday blacks from your freshman year or your current? Sunday Blacks. Hmm. I like. I really like the Sunday Blacks from uh my freshman year. I like the black pants. That was probably. It was probably because that was one of the only uniforms that really fit me that good. But uh, <laughs> that was probably my one of my favorite jerseys I've ever worn. And so I I go with the Sunday Blacks from my freshman year. Yeah, it it was my favorite. That's why that custom bell i got from the the bellsmith up there is the sunday black championship edition I, I was a huge fan of the blacks and so when they disappeared uh man i was like what and then y'all came out this year and i understand it's just the top but hey i still like having some form of black yeah. brune on it oh yeah don't get me wrong the blacks this year is sweet too but i think the blacks my freshman year were my favorite ones for sure would you rather attend a concert or a sporting event we're not talking about like just a, a a concert in the outfield at the dude. We're talking about like a bucket list concert, like big big time or big yeah. time sporting event. Um, I'm gonna have to go with sporting event because earlier in the show, you remember I said one of my favorite artists was Morgan Wallen, and so I got to go to a Morgan Wallen and Hardy concert last year, and I still think I'd have to say a sporting event. What uh? What sporting event? What is the bucket list sporting event? Um, I'd like to go watch the Olympics. I think summer, that would be a bucket list bucket list thing. Sporting event to go watch. Do what? Which which one? Summer or winter? Um, I'd say summer, for sure, because summer has the basketball and all that doesn't it and then it has the volleyball and the track and all that so i think summer will be sick yeah that'd be pretty nice. but he would he would miss out on i'd go to the winter olympics with my mom and watch gymnastics isn't it winter daniel no it's summer mm -hmm. oh well then yeah you're picking the right one lane because i bet you and your yeah. mom would have a blast watching that oh yeah she loves watching gymnastics when the olympics comes around
Sure. All right. Uh, better bombs. Who hits better bombs? Hunter Hines or Dakota John or Dakota George? Oh goodness. Um, I think, I think Dakota. Hunter's probably gonna be mad at me for that one, but I think Dakota does just because he uh his are just he gets so excited and so hyped after he hits it. And he just brings a little bit more hype to the game than Hunter does. But uh, Hunter's kind of more of like a mellow temper, not get real wild and stuff like that. But Dakota, he's intense and he loves the game and he plays it with passion. So his are, his are a lot more passionate and he gets after it. Well, I'll tell you this about Hunter. He When he came on here, you know, he he very boldly projected that he'd hit 25 or more home runs. And <laughs> Daniel and Randy said it's a, it's a tough feat. Uh, I told them, I was like, man, I don't know. This dude really cranks him. And here he is sitting at 17 with a lot of time left. So, um, yeah. you know, Daniel was talking about being a betting man. I'm one myself. If, if somebody asked me to bet on it, I'm bet I'm betting on Hunter to get to 25. <laughs> oh, yeah, I would too. He, uh, he's bold and he can say, he'll say some things, but he, he normally backs it up and backs it up with the best of them. There you go. Would you rather be attacked by a grizzly bear or a tiger? We know we know you're not gonna survive either, but if you could prolong the death longer, which <laughs> one are you taking? I think I think uh, uh I'm I'm probably lasting a little bit longer with a tiger. Mm. A grizzly bear, them things them things are huge and they can gnaw you down real fast and i feel like a tiger they'll claw you and they'll eat you but you can kind of squirm away from them they aren't as big i mean they're pretty big Uh, just saying they hunt at night too so there's there's that whole aspect of it yeah grizzly bear i don't know they're just them things are scary I mean, they're both scary, no doubt. I, I don't think there's a, a – whichever one you pick and whatever your justification is, it's it's spot on. But um, give me my chances with a grizzly bear just because I don't see well at night and I don't want to be looking over, over my shoulder. At least I know, like, if it's a grizzly bear, I know it's there. Yeah, that's true. So – Last question before we let you bounce. Would you rather betray your best friend or go to jail for five years for a crime you didn't commit? We're talking about the ultimate betrayal. No no coming back. Never going to be friends ever again. Or go to jail for five years for a crime you didn't commit. Uh, I think... That's a tough one. I think I'm going to jail though. Mm. I just I'm a uh I don't know. I can't really I can't really betray my best friend. I don't know. That's just I mean, something. Do you, do you really want to do five years in prison though, bro? Do you I mean No, but <laughs> I wouldn't want I wouldn't want them to do five years in prison. So <laughs> I'd rather be me than them. Let me I know I know I can last. Let me tell you something, Wayne. Jim is my best friend. And I ain't doing no jail for that dude. <laughs> and vice versa. Not, and vice not versa. Doing I'm it. telling you right now. I have a, a pretty standard 
formal response to this question. I will not spend five years. I will not spend five months, <laughs> five weeks, five minutes, five seconds. I won't even step foot in the parking lot of a jail for this dude. <laughs> Just know that. Uh, oh, dang, that's that's hey. a that's a tough one. Hey, I still. Oh st no, this is easy. I'll pillow my head just fine at knowing this at night. Our 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 last two well now Trey Richardson said he's definitely uh he's definitely betraying his friend, but Lane and, and Drew Bianco both said that you know they couldn't betray their friends and Daniel man, they just hey, I don't know. They're they they're young and just not thinking about it well enough about what they really have to endure in jail. Lane, you don't want to do jail, bro. You don't want to do it. Yeah, I don't want to, but I feel like I could do it, and I wouldn't want my friend to do it. <laughs> well, Lane, it's it's been a pleasure. It's been a blast. Uh, great story, man. It's uh, finally good to get you on and kind of hear from you. We wish you nothing but the best. But before you bounce, anything you want to plug or promote? Uh, No, nah, I don't really have anything to promote. Uh, I just want to say thank you all for letting me come and for having me. I got it's one. It's been an honor. I got one, man. Go get a Lane Forsyth poster from the athletic collection. Yeah, sponsors, man. That thing is hard. Yeah, that's, that's they're one also, of the also go, get a, uh, go get a uh, Lane Forsyth t-shirt jersey from Be Unlimited here in Starkville. All right. So for all you Starkville natives, for all you Mississippi State fans, you need a poster. You need a jersey. Go get it. Lane Forsyth's your dude. Go support him. Go support the team. It, it, it's simple. And by the way, if you're looking to support the team or Lane, going over to Instagram at lane.forsyth or at hellstatebb. You can also catch them on Friday night. They're traveling to Auburn to take on the Tigers. 6 p.m. start time, SEC Plus Network. Saturday, 2 p.m. start, SEC Plus Net Network. Sunday, 1 o'clock start, SEC Plus Network. I got a question before you go, and I was reading or looking through the schedule. Why? What's up with the game tomorrow? Why Why is that canceled? Um, The game got canceled because who we were playing had to make up a uh, in-conference game, and so they canceled the trip here and got their game rescheduled oh, to tomorrow. They saw the dogs got hot, Lane. Let's let's just yeah. call it. Yeah. That's that's what I was thinking. So then, I guess so. So then my next question, and this might be an error, but on the twenty fifth of April, it shows y'all playing Ole Miss again. Yeah. No. That is that's the uh, Governor's Cup game, and so we always have a weekend series with them, and then a midweek game for the uh, cup. I mean, isn't that just look? I'm gonna be honest with you. Ain't nobody. Ain't, ain't nobody caring about that cup. They did last year. <laughs> Mississippi State Especially won the series last year. If you take care of business this weekend, because that next weekend is a huge weekend. Oh yeah, huge. It, it ain't like it, it, all all these games matter every weekend, and Tennessee is. It might be in a position where they got to win, and and you guys might be in a position where you, you're trying to keep the the ball rolling, man. So, hey, yeah. I'm more interested to see how that 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 Governor's Cup goes. Yeah, Mike, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting for sure. Lane's gonna be on the mound. What are we talking about here? Let's go, <laughs> Lane. See, hey, I pitched in it last year, so I hope <laughs> yeah. not. 
you could give them you could give them three strong right <laughs> well my arm could i don't know if i uh would keep keep us in the game but we'll i mean see. I, I heard you were charting pitches this weekend getting prepared <laughs> uh, i was i was getting my arm loose in the bullpen there you go man lane hey man it's been a blast if there's anything we can do for you along the way please reach out buddy yeah thank you thank y'all for having me absolutely that's lane foresight everybody we're gonna take a quick break we gotta plug some sponsors when we come back jim and i are gonna recap this weekend's college baseball action we're gonna talk a little nba playoffs and then who knows we might even talk Russell Westbrook. Do you like having posters and supporting your favorite athletes? Well, the Athletic Collection gives you a chance to do that with the best posters in the game. They have many different teams with many different sports. Myself, as an LSU fan, I just got myself LSU baseball, LSU gymnastics, and LSU soccer posters to put up in the man cave. So get your posters today at the Athletic Collection, which you can find on Instagram and Twitter. Welcome back to the In Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you, and we're going to start with college baseball. And what a week it was. It's uh, a lot, a lot, a lot going on in the SEC. And I will go ahead and start with the South Carolina Gamecocks. Jim, South Carolina dropped its first series of the year um, this weekend against Vanderbilt. Um Obviously, you know, I'll ask you, before I recap, if I was to tell you they were going to lose the series, would that mean anything because it's Vanderbilt? Or do you think it means something because South Carolina is in that funky position where people are starting to believe they're good, but they still need to keep winning for people to, like, truly, like, buy into this? Um, no, I, I mean, Vanderbilt's resume this year is the most impressive in the country. And the fact that they're playing at home, um, no, you you can't frown upon it at all. I didn't think it was going to happen. But with what Vanderbilt has done, I mean, and you were talking about a team that was higher ranked than South Carolina, you know, it's not as it's, it's not a big deal. And as you can see by the rankings from every national rankings, South Carolina didn't drop one spot. Yeah, I mean, it it helped that the people behind them didn't didn't do themselves any favors, but like the top five, six teams are the top five, six teams. They're just playing really good baseball right now. South Carolina this weekend, you know, finally, finally got what maybe should have came against Mississippi State in a sense where they're pitching or their relief pitching didn't hold enough of the weight and defensively they were not good um what's interesting though you know daniel is is you talk about the pitching but man you you go back like three weeks ago and vandy was batting so terribly even with their record and then all of a sudden it was actually against mississippi state that they just opened it up, and since then the dudes can bat, which really just talks about or shows baseball in a whole, right? Like yeah. the, the whole team was struggling, but they found their groove, and now they're rolling. Yeah, I mean it. It was, you know, South Carolina game one strikes first early. I mean Cole Messina, they couldn't get the guy out. Um, 
you know, Petri, another, you know, solid series. But then, you know, Will Sanders, when he looks like he's cruising, then turns around, they start, pump, you know, pumping baseballs left and right. Eventually, South Carolina goes on a big run and ends the game and, and picks up the victory in game one. But game two, South Carolina, once again, jumps out to a, a, a quick lead, and then slowly they they give it away. Um, and probably could have been even worse had they not had a crazy double play that you know led to a guy, uh, Bradfield, not thinking that he tagged up on time, but in reality he left third early, which resulted in a double play, resulted in getting out of the inning. Um, but inevitably Vanderbilt, which is back. shocking that he would leave early because he's the fastest guy in baseball and he knows he's probably going to make it. Well, here's the thing. And in his defense, so the bases were loaded with one out. All right. Um, I can't think of who was, was hitting, but he hits the ball all the way to the wall. They like it. Everyone thinks it's a grand slam. Um, Stone rolls out to the outfield, like jumps up and like catches the ball, but he's shielded the ball between him and the wall. So you can't like, it looks like it's gone or it looks like he caught it. But in reality, he tips the ball up in the air. And as he's falling down, he catches it. But Bradfield at third, Tags up when he thought he caught the ball and never saw that the ball was tipped in the air and he never had possession of the catch. So at that point, he is already gone and scoring. So South Carolina, you know, catches the ball and then tosses it over to third and they review it for like 25 minutes and then eventually call him out. But anyhow, like that, what I thought was going to be the turning point of the game and South Carolina was going to get back on track. They, never could and then you know they were in game three they just the the relief pitching and and the defense has given you know Vanderbilt too many second opportunities um I think Vanderbilt and spurts was impressive to me but overall I think they're very vulnerable um I I tell you I see see that the Petrie and Wimmer are still doing their thing they ain't slowing down no, no. I mean, the, the, the offense is rolling. I mean, they scored enough runs to win games. It was just, you know, when you don't have Noah Hall on the bump and you take him out of the, the rotation, it puts a lot of pressure on, you know, uh, guys that maybe should, maybe that aren't expecting to be starters to be starters. Um, but I think they'll get back on track. It'll be another, uh, another, you know, tough weekend they're gonna have some tough weekends but the the good thing is is when they lose a series to Vanderbilt they could turn around and get right back on track the next weekend and there's not a lot of a lot of like you can't sit and worry about and dwell on the past you got to look forward to what's coming at you um but yeah I mean overall you know not the outcome they expected but I don't think it's a lot to be discouraged too much about um but what about lsu what was what was their weekend like man so i got to see the first game obviously because they started on a thursday uh blessfully that 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 was the best part about 
you know, knowing I was going to Starkville was that LSU was going to start off on Thursday and I was going to get to see my boy Paul Skeens. Um, you know, Daniel, don't you wish your bad outing because he was only tackled for three earned runs. Uh, five were scored, but um, there were some errors. But, like, don't – when your bad outing is giving up three runs and and you had thirteen Ks, like, and that was a that was a bad day for him, like because that's, that's how high he has set the bar. That's terrible. He just needs to quit. Well, I predicted fourteen K, so he does need to quit because he left me one short. But no, um, on a day where you know our guy Chris from sixty foot six inch pod you know was talking about it, his fastball was down a few miles an hour. He was having trouble locating it but his slider however was absolutely dialed in which you as a pitcher would understand that well more than me knowing you know you have days where some pitches are just working and some aren't and so I would venture to say based upon what I see without having the number in front of me 11 of those 13 strikeouts came out with that wipeout slider that was just money and so that just had to become his go-to pitches his fastball was not um, the velo wasn't up as much as it normally was and he wasn't able to to locate his spots as much, but um, nonetheless, regardless of what Skeens did, boy, Jordan Thompson hits a grand slam. Braden Bear hits a grand slam. Beloso hits a bomb, which two of those three are IOTB guests, so shout out. They just started teeing off, and so uh, they take game one. Game two, uh, man, Ty Floyd has a rough start again, but gets settled in, man, ends up having – um, after giving up a, a few runs in the first couple innings, goes two straight innings of three up, three down. Everything's looking good. They're up 6-2 after Tommy White, IOTB guest again, blast. Um, they they Every time I've seen just about this season, Daniel, uh, Dylan Cruz be intentionally walked, which you and Randy have said is the right move, Tommy White has made them pay. And he did it all three games this weekend. And so um, I know Dylan's getting frustrated. Um, he got, I think he got walked eight times this weekend. Um, literally, um, but to- Tommy is reaping the rewards of it, and so they're up six two, and you feel good about it. But what have we been worried about with this LSU team? Right, they've had some key injuries in that bullpen, and the bullpen just did not get it done. Ultimately, they'd end up losing by one run. Um, no, wait, they lost by three runs. I apologize. I apologize. Um, I'm thinking of the the next game. They uh they lost by three runs, ended up giving up 13 runs in total. It was just we gotta figure something out, Daniel. LSU. Let me, let me ask you something about Typhoid. I feel like people kind of are expecting Ty to go out there and just be the hammer and just like shut people down and they lose sight of like the game is still like moving very fast for him and he's got to like get comfortable and it's got to start slowing down. And I think it is, but I think people just have to be patient. Like it takes time. It takes innings and it takes being roughed up. It takes having good, good days. And it takes, you know, like a a weekend like this where you kind of settle in, you have some highs, you have some lows. Yeah, no, and and Chris made that joke about he needs to go do a simulated bullpen session every game beforehand and then come out, you know, 40, 50 pitches in because he seems to really get dialed in by the third and fourth inning. Um, But, you know, I I listened to his podcast today and I listened to him break it down. 
And he he talked about Ty Floyd's got the stuff. He's just got to be consistent with putting it in the strike zone. Um, you know, you know how it is. It's it's a confidence thing, it's between the ears. You know that you have it, know that you can do it and go do it. Um, for whatever reason, to your point, why sometimes it it takes time to settle in. I don't know, but here's the thing. Um, he shouldn't worry in the sense of, you know how there's always that next guy waiting to take your spot? Right now with LSU's problems, there isn't that guy. He should go out there, not be stressed, and do what he knows to do because it's it's all on him. LSU needs him. He, he's, he's their guy. There's nobody's fixing to take your spot. Jay's rolling with you. Go out there and take care of business. But – Nonetheless, they drop that game, and then they go out there, and they have to get a gritty game three, Daniel. Um, and once again, it, it's bullpen issues, right? Like this, and that, and that was one where they end up winning by one run. Um, that I accidentally mixed up the score with. Well, what what you don't, or what I feel like LSU can't do, is have a dominating performance game one by Paul Skeens, who eats up a lot of innings, and then they turn around game two and eat into their bullpen because I don't think they're strong enough in game three to get them through it. Well, and... they're getting a big arm back this week in Coleman. So that's huge, which uh, just on an FYI injury note, um, Gavin Dugas, the heart and soul of that team, his injury wasn't nearly as bad as it looked in real time. And they are optimistic that he might be able to even play this upcoming weekend. So there's that, but that's not obviously a pitcher, but um, as far as pitchers, they do got Coleman coming back. Um, but Daniel, what kind of scares me is that Arkansas team of 2021 where they got to the super regionals and just didn't have enough arms. And that's why Kevin Copps had to pitch like the most ridiculous amount of innings. I'm scared LSU is going to tread into that territory because they're starting to run out of arms and guys that you can just really trust in. And, you know, Skeens can't pitch every game for you. The the Edwards loss was so huge, man. He he had become your closer. He'd become your guy, which was going to open up the chance for Gavin Gidry to be a starter. And now Gavin Gidry has become your closer because he's your one reliable guy. And so now you're relying on Christian Little and you need Ty Floyd to get it together. You you obviously need Riley Cooper and and those guys. But it it's it's getting scary, you know. They're holding that number one ranking, Daniel. But if you ask me if they were playing like the number one team right now, I would tell you no. But nonetheless, they won the series, which is what me and you talk about every week. That's what you got to do. So on to the next. So for all y'all buses out there that are mad because I got Wake Forest number one, you heard it right here. LSU ain't playing like they number well, one. Well, Wake Forest pissed me off, Daniel, because I texted you guys and I said, if Wake Forest sweeps Louisville – I can justifiably put them at number one. They had to go out and lose Sunday. But okay, and so the, but here here's here's my counter argument to that is you believe Louisville is a better team than Kentucky. Correct, but per the rankings, they're basically they're, you think we ain't we ain't listening to no rankings. But those rankings have them Louisville's 10, Kentucky's 12. So if they both if they both take two out of three, they didn't lose to a per rankings much different team. So it wasn't Wake Wake needs to be Wake needs I mean, you, to be winning that game. You I think you're 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 slowly trying to figure out ways to get LSU out of the number one spot. But the thing is, you know how much I dude, I talked to Brock Wilkin maybe more than any guest we have. I don't want Wake Forest to have that 
purse number one tag. This is this is Florida's fault, Daniel. Florida when they were when they were on everybody's you know number two list had to start losing games. If I would love for Florida to have that number one spot as much as we hate them because because I believe it's cursed. Go ahead and hand it to them. Hey, Vandy's trending that direction. You know what I'm saying? Maybe maybe Vandy will be be the team to get it, but. I know I believe in that curse. I know we've had a bunch of guests that believe in that curse. So it's not like I just want that number one there, you know, for the people who, oh, you know, you're being a homer, which is funny that people say I'm being an LSU homer, having them at number one when every other ranking has them at number one. So, you know, I guess, I guess they're all LSU fans too, right? But yes, you are the one guy that has them at Wake Forest. I actually think Randy made the jump too. Did he not? I think, I think Randy, I think Randy finally did it. Yes, he did. He did. He actually took LSU all the way back to three. He's he's wow. got he's got uh he's got Vandy at two. Wow, okay. I mean good for him. He's, he's trying to copy you with Wake uh, Look at him. I, uh, I, I, I see him. All right, man. We obviously heard it from Lane himself. Super Bulldog weekend this past weekend, state Ole Miss. Um you were there. Tell me firsthand the recap, what you saw. Uh, the pros, the cons, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between. Obviously, I don't need to recap the atmosphere. Um, you know, we talk about in Mississippi, it means more. And somebody took a shot, you know, on social media saying, well, there isn't anything else to do there. That's fine. I mean, they're they're not really wrong, but it doesn't change the fact that th- that game means a lot. And everybody was there for not even just game, but games. The, the total – the total for the weekend, Daniel, was they they showed it on the thing uh, like fifty three thousand, so um, which was a record on top of the the Saturday record. But um, you know, Friday night, and he's an upcoming guest, so I'm I'm glad it, I'm glad it happened to him. If anybody, Jack Goddard had his best outing of the year by far. So um, for him to go out there and pitch the way he did. The they only gave up three hits, Daniel. Um, and two of them were solo bombs to Hunter Hines and Dakota Jordan. Um, so most of that was done by JD, and then obviously Mitch Morrell came in behind him. So Ole Miss pitching, um, they did their job on Friday and, and really stepped up. But then Saturday, um, Mississippi State bats that woke up, man, um, did their thing. They actually, um, the bullpen blew, blew a lead and uh, and Ole Miss would gain the lead back in the ninth. Uh, and so it was actually looking bleak. It was looking I, – I actually, you know, you know me. Sometimes I can get pessimistic. In my head, I started thinking, man, Mississippi State's fixing to lose this series. But no, no, no. They uh, they had uh, decided, you know, they wanted to walk it off instead. They were just – they were going for the theatrics, Daniel. And so, uh, you know, Dakota Jordan, as he talked about, hit, hit that walk off and – Man, they they mobbed him, ripped his shirt off, poured the cooler on him, chased him around. They ended up into the right field um, section, getting beer dumped on him. It was it was, it was a wild scene. Um, but you know, Ole Miss battled. I've got to give them their due. Our guests that are on the show, um, Jacob Gonzalez was was a beast. Um, you know, he was wrecking the ball all weekend. He's obviously the top ten projected pick for a reason. Um, and then Sunday, um, you know. Ole Miss did it again. They were down 3-0. They ended up uh ended up coming back. And then um here came that same guy, Dakota Jordan. Now I will say this, he didn't have the in moment bombs, 
Um, he didn't have he didn't have the go ahead ones, but Hunter Hines, our guy, had uh, he had three bombs this weekend. That's why he's my IOTB Player of the Week. So, um, and that's why he's sitting on seventeen home runs. So shout out to him. But Mississippi State, nonetheless, a big a big series. And when you look at winning the Alabama series, Daniel, and then like I told Lane, and I wasn't making that up. I don't think Auburn's a very good team. They could go win three straight series, Daniel, and find themselves sitting around that four spot in the West, and some say fourth in the West. What does that mean? In the SEC, if you finish short, if you finish fourth in the West, you're an undoubtable re- regional team. It's not even a it's not even a discussion. So that's a place that's not a bad spot to be. No, I mean I think they are a series sweep away from being entered into the top 25 discussion yeah no doubt and, and and the thing is then they have like you know you mentioned the tennessee thing if tennessee doesn't get their stuff together that's a series that before the season we would have said they had no chance right now yeah. now that now that's a winnable series so let's let's go to that because i i don't know randy's not here and he'd be able to tell us definitely um if it's an overreaction but i'm at the point now where I don't think Tennessee can afford to lose many more series. Um, and, I, and and I get it. Like, if they lost this series this weekend against Vanderbilt, I I don't think it would be necessarily like like the the Lindsey Nelson's on fire, like 9-1-1. But I do think there's going to be some urgency and some pressure that Tennessee hasn't felt in a really long time, if ever. Yeah, no, it's and and I saw Randy recap all of it, and then we we've talked to Twitter Spaces, so I feel pretty confident of getting his views and and his thoughts as as being our our Tennessee expert. And you know, it really it really goes back to the Tony Vitello interview that we had on here, right? Talking about identity, this team does not have one. They are struggling. Um, all those guys that are missing. It's showing. Yes, they they killed it in the transfer portal. Yes, they have um, a pitching staff that had came back, but the guys who are missing, it's really showing, and they're struggling to hit the ball. And then they are having really bad fielding woes. Man, errors are happening at a high clip, a very high clip. I forgot what the exact number was that they had this weekend, but it just so. Recipe for disaster, right, Daniel? You know, your pitching staff isn't as electric as it was before, but they haven't just been terrible. But when you can't hit and when you're making errors in the field, like... I mean, it's, it's, the, it's, it's one thing not to be able to hit. It's another when you compound not being able to hit with giving good teams extra outs by making errors. But it's even bigger when you have blunders like base running mistakes. Like those three things are, if you told me, if you told me at before the series started, Tennessee was going to have some very bad base running. They were going to have some, uh, they're going to give extra outs uh, to Arkansas and they're not going to hit very well. I would tell you straight up, they're going to get swept. They're going to lose for sure. Yeah. And that's exactly what and, happened. And, and And here's the thing, like, you know, Arkansas went with the same game plan they did as LSU uh, or when they played LSU, they went with the Hunter Holland and then Hagen Smith behind them, making sure they got game one. Right. 
And so if you're Tennessee, you now know that you have a pitching advantage in game two and game three because they've used their best two arms. And they didn't take advantage of it at all. And let me tell you this on the Arkansas note, they have had guys step up in the bullpen, um, the batting lineup. Um, they have guys like Callie and other guys with Wagner out um, that are starting to to get hot. And they are getting Brady Tiger back this week. And so, you know, Arkansas is a scary team. We always knew they would be, but they're getting back healthy. And and the thing, the reason why the Brady Tiger thing is such a big deal, it isn't just having your closer. Hagan Smith can go back to being a weekend starter because they feel like they have somebody who can close the game. So it changes everything. You now have your other star weekend starter back and your star closer. Yeah, but are are they going to I and are they going to immediately throw Brady into that closing role? Uh, I mean, the the thing or, is... Or is he going to get like a, a midweek opportunity to throw some innings, regardless of, of how well, good or bad he does, just to get him some feel on the mound, get him some game time situation, some reps? Or are we saying like, no, we're going to minimize the amount of innings he can throw and keep him as a closer. That way he's limited to one or two innings at a time. Well, I mean, this is a question, you know, I, I know how I would do it, but, I mean, you were the guy who was a pitcher and a pitching coach. I would imagine that they're not going to just throw him right into it, especially with the way Wood has been um, pitching successfully for them. So you don't feel the urgency to do it. So, um, I think to you, to what you just said, I mean, probably he will come in at a midweek or something to, to figure out what's going on. I think if he, if he can pitch this weekend, I think if you see them with a big lead, I, cause I mean, either it, whether I would say if they get down by a lot or a big lead, I don't foresee them getting down by a lot. So my, my other inclination is that they're going to be up big and then you might see Brady come in to get a feel for it in an SEC play in a, you know, somewhat hostile environment to be able to, you know, get the feel back and get it under his belt and just kind of see what it feels like in, in game situation. I, I thought it was said best by an Arkansas fan to me today that really knows this stuff. Um, obviously, you're familiar with Bomb Squad. He said Brady doesn't know how to go anything but 100 miles an hour. So, and I'm not saying literally throw 100 miles an hour, even though he does, but you know what I'm saying? Um, literally 100%. And so don't throw him out there until he's ready because I don't think he knows how to dial it down a notch. So make sure at the time in which you make the decision, hey, we're rolling Tiger out there, you feel 100% confident that he's good to go. Don't rush him back oh, yeah. because the kid doesn't know how to dial it down. Um, but I feel really good about it. And I got to tell you what my son said. It's going to make you judge him a little bit, Daniel. Um, I said, hey, when we're back here in Starkville, you know, Arkansas is coming to town. Um, so he's going to be playing against Brady. And I said, so who are you rooting for? And he said, I'm rooting for both. And I said, Jackson, let me explain something to you. Brady Tiger is the closer for Arkansas. So if Brady's pitching, that means Arkansas is setting up to win. And I said, so you're going to have to pick one or the other. And he says, can't they just tie? And I was like, oh, son. Oh, son. You, you have failed, Jim. No, yeah. I have no, no, you've been giving me my due. Don't say I felt. I, so, long story short, after explaining that we don't do ties and that you can't have them both win and he was going to have to pick one, 
Um, I hate to tell Brady Tiger. Luckily, I don't think he's going to be listening to this portion. Um, he picked Kenley. <laughs> I picked Kenley. No, he's 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 going with State. He's, he said if he has to pick one or the other, and being that it's in Starkville, that's the that's the right option. That's the, I mean, that's his team. Like, yeah. So it, it, I like I like Jamar Chase and I like Joe Burrow, but don't fool yourself. If the Cowboys played the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Pretty sure I know it, it's it, an easy pick for me. It's an easy pick, but I tell you, since you used that reference, it's it's an it was an easier feeling when the Saints lost on a Jamar Chase touchdown from Joe Burrow. It took the pain away just a little bit because it wasn't somebody I hated. At least it was somebody I liked, right? And so there was right. there, there was a little silver lining there. But and so I, I think Jackson would feel that way at a at, you know at his young age. If Brady closes, he's going to be upset that State lost. But at the end of the day, he's going to go over there and he's going to take his picture and hug Brady and. And everything's gonna be cool, and no sleep will be lost. But um, yeah, going back to to what we're actually talking about, Tennessee's in real trouble, and with Vandy on deck, and they don't have any time to figure anything out. And Arkansas is is cruising, man, and they they are they look every bit of the Omaha team that we all projected. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get into our picks, man. Uh, Florida, South Carolina. You know who I'm taking. I mean, I'm going Gamecocks. I think they, you know, shrug off a, a tough weekend and they get back on track. They're going to play a really good Florida team, and I think that, you know, they are better than them, and I think they're going to beat them. Yeah, I mean, give me give it to me for all three phases. I think they're better than them. Uh, they're in their home crowd, which uh, by all the players' accounts – um, can be hostile, and because they lost last week, they're going to be looking to bounce back. So, yeah, for all three reasons, um, give me South Carolina. And for my hopes, you know, obviously this is this is would be bold to to pick, but I'm gonna go with it just because it's what I want to happen. I hope they sweep. I want to sweep. Yeah. That'd be nice. I'm down for that. Vandy traveling to Tennessee. Who you got, Jim? I mean, I'm gonna pick Tennessee, even though I don't believe it. I, I I don't want to pick Vandy, and I just – I have to hope, especially for our boy Randy, especially for our, like, 13 guests that are on that team, that they figure it out at some point. I think this is the weekend that they figure it out. And and, and, and I think, Tennessee would I think, take that, right? They're, they're, or their fan base. I, I think when we look back and at the end of the regular season, we're going to look back for Tennessee at this weekend and go, this was a pivotal turning point. So you kind of feel like it'll be the Ole Miss at LSU of last year when Ole Miss couldn't win a series and then they went down to Baton Rouge and took care of business? Yeah, in a a sense, but like, I don't feel like it's an apples to apples comparison because I felt, I feel as though Tennessee right now compared to that Ole Miss team, is a better team. They are. The, 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 the reality is when we talk about a team that can get hot and make a run, that pitching staff, we all three believe that pitching wins championships. If those dudes get locked in and do what they do and they get any kind of run support and get rid of the errors that we've been talking about, no, I mean, whoever gets dealt them in their regional, I, I feel bad for you ahead of time. Mississippi State at Auburn. Mississippi State's uh, getting getting it all together, man. I'm, I mean, Lane Lane has me convinced they're ready to go, so I'm, I'm taking State. 
I'm taking State two. Um, I only got them taking two out of three just because they haven't, you know, they're winning series. They're not sweeping anybody. But uh, obviously for standings, uh, you know, standpoint, I, I hope they do. But Kate Smith, uh, worth noting, I didn't note that earlier. Um, Kate Smith, he was on a pitch count, but uh, he 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 was on a pitch count of 60. He actually went, I think, like 68. Looked really good. I was standing next to Jason Smith watching him pitch. He felt really good about it. Said Kate afterward was a little sore. Um, but felt good uh, when I talked to him on Saturday, the day after. And so um, I would imagine, Dan, like I said, one of those things where you know more than me, but he was uh, – 50 pitches was his count the week before. He's at 60. I don't know if it's like the standard to go up 10, how it really works, but um, I imagine his pitch count goes up. And so you got your Friday guy back, and for for State, that's such a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. They're They're moving – in the right direction, that's for sure. LSU at Ole Miss. I don't. I mean, you could play this game at Ole Miss. You could play it at the box. You could play it on the moon. The outcome's still going to be the same. LSU. And, and I I put it on here because it's interesting. Uh, the tickets are going for so high. It's it's a sellout on the Ole Miss website. Um, they're going to try to pack it out. They're going to try to do their best. Um. But I feel like it's going to be a, uh, you know, same 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 thing that happened last year uh, as when Tennessee came to town, right? Packed it out, big time showdown, team coming to town, and then it's just going to be a straight whooping. And I told you this: there's two things that LSU's got in their mind. One, what happened last year, what I was just referencing earlier, them coming down to Baton Rouge. But also, even though they won the series two years ago, if you remember, I told you, the last time they were in Oxford, the last game they played, they blew a 9-1 to lead. Um, so if you don't think they not only – because most of those guys were on the team. If you don't think they want to win this series just as much as any other one they got on the schedule, you'd be wrong. And, that, and the guys have told me as much. So, Daniel, I don't think that they just win. I think they come in there and absolutely beat them down, even with their pitching woes. I – I'm calling at least one run rule and a sweep. Oh, Southern Miss at Coastal. I I mean, Southern Miss has been off the radar for, but they've got they've gotten back hot. Bit. The problem is Coastal Carolina is really yeah. hot. I mean, I'm gonna go Coastal um, until Southern Miss can prove otherwise. But that's who I got. I got Coastal, but with the way Southern Miss is playing, I'll just say I wouldn't be shocked, Daniel, even with as good as Coastal playing, because we knew when we had Dickerson on here and at the time in which, remember, they were ranked like 17. Um, they're obviously underachieving and they're getting it back. Uh, we know the talent they have, the talent they brought back from a team that went to Super Regional last year. So it wouldn't be surprising at all if Southern Miss won. And, and man, this could be something that could really catapult them. So, um, I'm going Coastal Carolina, but would not be surprised. Yeah. Boston College at North Carolina. These two teams, and, and it might just be everyone in the ACC outside of Wake is just a conundrum for me um, because when Boston College is starting to rip, rip through it, then they get swept by Louisville, who at the time was starting to fall off. And now you've got North Carolina, the same thing, you know, but you looked at teams like Virginia who lost their series. 
Louisville and Boston College. The inconsistency, your point. Yeah. There's nobody that's consistent except Wake. Yeah, so like this is like the battle of I mean Miami Miami's been the same way. They'll they'll win a series and look great one weekend and then they'll lose a series the next weekend against somebody they have no business losing to. Right. And so this this matchup to me is like who can be the most not as less consistent. So who can be the most consistent of the less consistent, if that makes sense? <laughs> it's so, a lot of verbiage. I get you. Yeah. It, it, I'm going to take Carolina just because I haven't seen Carolina play that, that much, but I did watch a lot of Boston College in Louisville, and I was not impressed by Boston College. I know that that's a bad week weekend to – grade them and judge them but i was not impressed yeah now they uh they seem to be going backwards and north carolina is a team that i picked in my preseason omaha eight because of the talent that is on that team um so they need to start putting together some of these wins especially a, a ranked series like this they're at home um so Hopefully uh, they can get right. But, yeah, to your point, it's – I mean, you're coin flipping these ACC series, I mean, on a week-to-week basis. But for for at least now, um, I feel like Boston College is really backsliding in North Carolina's home. So, give me North Carolina. I mean, it's, uh, we need to take a picture. We agreed on every pick this week. It's the first time I think we've done that in a while. Well, we also, we're also not, like, competing and keeping count, so it makes it easier. Because a lot of times we would actually pick the same – we pick opposite just because we try to either gain ground True. or pull away. True. True. All so right, give man. Me, give me the Grizz recap, bro. I need. Yeah, it. we we got to get in the NBA playoffs. So let, let me let me let me set the the tone for you. So went to Mario movie first movie. I took my daughter to go see. Fantastic right. movie. What a good movie! Like a lot of throwbacks to the game. I was like, all right, I I, I like it. And and. Bella absolutely loved it. She said Princess Peach is her new favorite princess, which I can get down with that. Um, we had a great time. She was a badass, bro. Yeah, we had a great time. It was just her and I. She sat in the whole movie, intrigued into it. Um, and I said, you know, hey, just so you know, we're going to watch the Grizz play when we get home. And she was like, all right, I, I hope they win. I was like, I, I do too. So we, we, we get into it, you know, the game, uh, you know, a typical first quarter up and down, and you kind of know that it's going to be close. And then the second quarter, the Grizz start, you know, pulling away a little bit. They get up, um, you know, and you can kind of see where there could be an opportunity for the Grizz to really pull away, but they give it back. Anyhow, they're, they're up at halftime and everything, like, is as I, I thought it would be. Um, but then, like, the second half, and I don't know what it is about the second half, they just they just give it all back. And, you know, credit to Hachimura, credit to Reeves. Those guys played and did what they needed to do. Um, I am disappointed in a sense that we couldn't get more things going in the fourth quarter um, because, you know, this, despite the, the final score being what it was with like, I want to say it was like 
two and a half or three minutes left to go is a one-point game. A one-point game that could have went either way. So, obviously, um, Ja gets hurt. He goes out of the game. He doesn't return. Questionable for the next game. Um, and then, you know, Rui and Austin Reeves do what they do. Um, in hindsight, looking at it, if you told me those two dudes were going to have career games, I would say the Grizzlies would win the game. But if you told me that those two guys are going to have a career game and the Grizzlies were going to lose, but probably had a chance to win the game had they did a couple things a little bit better, I would take that. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with this, Jim. I don't know about you, um, but I, I know that game two is a must win, but I'm kind of okay now with the way things went just because though like if if it takes Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves to have 50 points combined to beat you okay cool yeah no i i'm with you and as somebody who watched Hachimura for for many years because he was also a teammate with Westbrook and the Wizards but then you know watching both these guys uh, as Lakers when Russ was there um you know, they talked about them here local on Memphis radio before the series started, you know, when they were running through the lineup. And you know, they are your basic role-player guys. Reeves kind of gets amplified as a bigger deal because the Lakers really don't have anybody outside of the main two and then maybe Dennis Schroeder. So, he, you know, he get he gets hyped up a little more. Um, and so, to your point, when those two guys go off, that's not going to happen all the time. And – I don't know. I'm just bothered that they finally decided to show up and have a game against the Grizzlies in the playoffs. And even worse, like, man, Reeves sitting there saying, I am him. No, you're not. Like, that drives me nuts. You know what drives me nuts? It's everybody is him. <laughs> everybody. Everybody says, I'm him. I'm him. Like, everybody can't be him. They can't. I did. I did say... I did say that Dakota Jordan was him when I shared his home run thing, but in the well, moment, even he can't be him too. He, like he everybody can't, he can't, can't be him, him. but I, I, I'm just I'm saying I'm guilty of doing it. But as as a matter here, of here's fact, my thing though, Daniel, I ha I have less of a problem though when somebody else is saying somebody's him. I have the problem when somebody is calling themselves him. Oh uh, well, here here's the problem with it all. Who the hell is him? Like what? What do? What are we comparing it to? Like, who uh, is the him that we're that we're speaking of? Well, uh, according to Drew Bianco, his LeBron, and that's probably been the worst part of this whole thing, Daniel. I talked so much smack after we had him on the show and told him Grizz and five, and the Lakers were over overhyped and overrated. And as soon as they won, he didn't wait ten seconds to send me a message. Well. You know he didn't send me none. Well, but you didn't run. You, even digress. though they're your team, you didn't run as much uh, talk as much smack. He even uh, sent, he even sent me some little hype video, and I re, you know retaliated and sending him the Grizz hype video. We went back and forth. So look, I really need Drew to not hang this over our head. And obviously, as you 
and Randy and Casey and all my other friends that are that are Grizzlies fans, I really don't want this to happen for you. I don't want Memphis Radio to be dull and nothing good to talk about. So figure it out. Um, I'll say this on the jaw thing. I told you I was gonna wait till we were actually on air to talk about it. Um, you know, obviously it's gonna be a problem with the injured hand, but You've watched Ja enough to know, um, and most of these crafty point guards are, they can finish at the rim with both hands. So he's a guy who can – he can dribble with both hands. He can finish with both hands. And so he can still uh, – I mean, he can pass. He can effectively play minus probably shooting. And so he's going to have to find a way to implement himself without maybe being the scorer he normally is, except for maybe finishing at the rack. And, and the Lakers, if they know anything – um, if they're if they're they're smart, they'll force him to shoot, right? They'll almost the Westbrook treatment, right? Given that 15 foot gap, I dare you to shoot. Um, and hopefully, you know, he wouldn't take the bait. But this is a time where I feel like we know Jaron show, showed up last game, and there's a guy who didn't. It's time for Desmond Bain to have his moment. He needs to be big time. He needs to almost the the, the way Clay has in playoff performances when Steph didn't show up. That number two guy, Bain has to be huge. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to – let's start with this. It's going to take a team effort. They're going to have to go deep on the bench. They're going to have to figure out ways to pull Anthony Davis away from the basket. They're going to have to get guys in foul trouble. They're, and they're going to have to shoot the ball well from the outside. That's you you know what you know what I like though is national people not even knowing the number two seed in the West. You know they were saying if Ja can't play, you know, well then the Grizzlies have no chance. They clearly clearly haven't watched Tyus Stones Jones ever before. If they think that they're done, if Ja yeah. can't play, yeah, I uh, that's that's definitely clear because Tyus start on a lot of teams in the NBA. And and he's had – when, when Jaws been absent, he's had some amazing performances. And it, it would only be fitting and right that if Jaw can't play, he does have one of those performances. And, and, you know, especially when you get, like you said, the Hachimura and Reeves game, let's give it back to him. Let, you know, for all the people who are, you know, dumb enough to not know who Tyus Jones is, let's let them know. For real. Well, despite the Grizz – uh rough night the clippers and i say clippers but really i'll give it to your boy westbrook had a had a, had a great night well we got shut out we got shut out Kawhi had 38 and was very efficient you got to give him his due i you're right i think Kawhi was the best player on the court um but i think the most important player was was westbrook i think it's good to see Kawhi get back to being the guy that, I mean, with with all due respect to everybody that was on the court, like Kawhi was back to being that guy that's won championships, so which is what the Clippers need right now. But the most important player was Russell Westbrook, just not offensively, but defensively and what he was able to do uh, – I mean, you you could argue that he won the game because he was able to play defense, and, and and it was also not just the rebound or not just the defense, but the rebounding. You know, for all the people who've always said that Westbrook was stab padding, 
um, most people who actually watch, because, you know, when people like try to make clips, they show when, you know, Steven Adams, when he was with the Thunder, would just let him have the rebound. And that was actually Scott Brooks implemented because it's so he could start the transition offense. But um, Westbrook has never had a problem going amongst the trees and snatching rebounds. And he had some key clutch rebounds too. And, and when you add the rebounds and the defense, and they said that, you know, Ty Luce, obviously I watched it, but Ty Luce said that the team was feeding off his energy. And I thought that was huge, man, especially for a guy who just joined that team, right? And so, yeah, he 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 hit the free throws to ice it. He had the block that, that iced it, and his energy is what sparked him. And so, yeah, he may have been three for 19. I told you the weird stat earlier. He's been three for 19 multiple times in his career and undefeated. So, you know, that's not necessarily always the recipe to win, but, you know, that was huge for them. And, you know, this was a series that I myself told you last week. I didn't think they had a chance because Paul George wasn't playing. If you can get that kind of energy and effort from Russ, and he wasn't the only one, and the other role players, and you can get performances like that from Kawhi, they can absolutely win this series. The flip side, and we talked about this beforehand, and this is really my main thought on the on the Suns. Kevin Durant can't be deferring in clutch time. Period. No, I, I don't think you'll see that again. I think, um, you know, no hatred to Devin Booker, but you don't bring Kevin Durant in to pass the ball to Devin Booker when it matters. <laughs> And 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 you and you look and you look at the matchup just very like so we talk about Russ on Booker and and you know even though that's a shooting guard against a point guard we obviously know Russ's size he's basically built like a shooter. There's nobody on the court defensively because Zubak obviously is the only guy as long and tall and he's not athletic enough. There's nobody you can put on Kevin Durant to lock him up. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Kevin Durant is a guy that you. You go, all right, we're going to put our best defender, but even our best defender, like Kevin Durant is going to be so good. He well, you know what? You asked me, you asked me, you asked me this actually before the show, and, and it makes me wonder did he think, did he honestly actually maybe think and overthink this? Like you said, it's it's not going to happen next time. But did he think with Kawhi Leonard on him, did he maybe actually believe that Devin Booker had the better matchup situation? I mean, probably. I mean, I mean Kawhi. Kawhi is a good defender too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's a great defender, I mean, but but I still we talk about it. In order to be considered the best, you want to take on the best. And so Kawhi Leonard shouldn't make him nervous at all. He should say, "I'm Kevin fucking Durant." Right. Yeah. If you're wanting to be the best player, or you're think yourself as being in the echelon of the best, you got to think about what the best would do. No matter who's in front of them. Is Jordan deferring the ball? No. Is Kobe deferring the ball? No. As much as I hate to say it, is LeBron James deferring the ball? Yeah, to Kyrie. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, Usually, the here's, here's the thing. I'll say this because we're not even trying to get that. But – the the thing about LeBron, if he's deferring, he's actually deferring. He's so he's so smart. As much as I hate the dude, if he's deferring, it's because he does see a better situation. Well, I mean, the example is, you know, Sunday's game against the Grizz. I mean, 
he had 20 points, 21 points, I think. But they, it was like a very low-key 20 points for him. Mm-hmm. It's because I think he was able to facilitate enough to get guys like freaking Hachimura and Austin yeah. Reeves opportunities to shoot the basketball, which, hey, you know, shout out to him. Anthony well, Davis was, was, was great, um, you know, which I think if, if the Grizz are going to win, I don't think they need to worry about stopping Anthony Davis from being great. Just let him be great. And, and stop the other guys. You, yeah. that's, that's always been said about any time you play a team that's got a guy who's unguardable, right? You know, you're talking about the Greek freak or anybody else in between. You, you just let those guys get there. Just make sure the other guys don't. Right. All right, man. NBA playoffs are rolling along. The the Clippers will be back in action tomorrow night. The Grizz will be back in action um, Wednesday night. So it'll be be interesting to see if the Clippers can can open up to a two zero lead, and it's going to be interesting to see if the Grizz can stop the bleeding and uh, tie this thing up um, before they head out west. But Let's move into it, Jim. Let's put a bow on this thing. Last call. What you got? Yeah, man. Um, shout out to the LSU women's gymnastics team. Obviously, that's who we root for um, near and dear to our heart because we've had three guests from that show. But, Daniel, while they may have came up short of the national championship, when you endure the losses that they did, specifically, you know, arguably their best, I mean – you can go back and forth on who's better between Kai and Haley. It really doesn't matter. Nonetheless, um, you you lose a top top five, top ten gymnast in the country, um, and they had multiple other injuries along the way throughout the season, including our guest KJ, but Kai River and and obviously Libby Dunn. If you want to throw her name in there, you know whatever. Anyway, all the adversity that LSU gymnastics faced to make it even to that stage with those teams that because you know gymnastics and you know the names that were there. Um they were with the best three teams and they competed their tails off um and, and gave it all they had and I'm proud of those young ladies. Um usually there's not silver lining in losing, but the reality is Daniel, they overachieved with everything that happened this year. So to even make it that far and be on that stage with those three um, shout out to those women. I'm proud of you, and I cannot wait next year um, for Kaya to be back he- healthy. Haley's going to be back. I think Alana has a COVID year available. You'll have KJ back. Um, so LSU Gymnastics will be back, Daniel, and we're going to be here for it. Yeah, I mean, there are many opportunities in the season where they could have packed it up and just said, you know, hey, it is what it is, but they didn't. Um, Obviously, you know, shows to their character. It shows to the coaching. It shows to yeah. Uh, shout out Jay Clark, grit. man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you're able to lose, you know, arguably your two best, three best, you're able to piece it together and figure out how to give yourself a chance to win a national championship. Um, that's unbelievable. Um, but shout out to LSU gymnastics. Shout out to uh, Oklahoma, um, well, well deserved victory. Um, you know, unbelievable uh, throughout the entire championships. Shout out to Florida, Utah. How many? Um, how many? How many has Oklahoma won in the the last 
X amount of years, just right off the top. Do you remember? I it's I want to say it was like two. six to the last eleven. Yeah, I don't know so, if that's, I mean, that's the actual number. I mean, they right? got some they got some New England Patriots stuff going on over there at Oklahoma. I, I and I will shout out. We don't like Florida, but we do like Trinity Tom. We, we don't like Florida in anything, but um, shout out Trinity Thomas for setting the record for uh you know most tens in a in a career. So yeah, go ahead with your bad self. That's right. So um. I got a last call. Usually I don't really do much for last call. I'll leave that to you guys. But um, Tampa Bay Lightning starting the playoff push tomorrow night. They got the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, the, for the first time in a few years, the Lightning are going in as the, the higher seed, and they're traveling to Canada to open up play. The past couple of years, they've opened up with Toronto, but they've had to come through Tampa first. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. It's a it's a different team in regards to age and some of the the the, the pieces, but uh, still same mentality, still same attitude. They're 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 just as good um, as the Maple Leafs. It's just a matter of piecing it together and, and Know, figuring out how to win. Uh, but Tampa Bay starts their run tomorrow night. Uh, when the they come to town, are you going to get a chance to go to a game? Um, you know, things right now, it's it's hard for me to devote any time as we get closer to delivery date because what I don't want to do is be not be, <laughs> be in a I Tampa can... Bay Lightning game and get the call. Right, right. So um, I'll probably opt out of it unless a crazy scenario happens and tickets fall. At, at least lap. you're at least you're a better man than me because if you remember, Sarah went into or had preterm labor pains during the Saints playoff game, and I was livid. You would be focused on the baby. I was focused on the Saints because I'm an asshole. Anyway, I I was not very happy. <laughs> Shocker. Shocker. <laughs> Now, last thing, um, obviously, it, it came to an end um, a few days ago, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it. I think it's worth mentioning. Tampa Bay Rays, 13-0 start. Um, best start in their career, best start since the 1900s, 13 in a row. They've since lost three. They're 14-3 right now. They lost tonight. They got beat up pretty good tonight. Um, but just, you know, the ability to continue to move players around, develop players, bring players, retool players, and the pitching has, has been incredible. Um, so shout out to the Rays. Uh, you know, hopefully they keep doing what they're doing. Um, they got to give you something because the Cardinals continue to. Yeah, they they lost to I'll... the Diamondbacks tonight. And... Yeah, I was gonna look up what their official record is. To I think it's like. Seven and ten in the last place, man. Can't can't be having it, dude. Can September come fast enough? That's a <laughs> month, man. All right, Jim. If you're done, I'm done. We can wrap this thing up and get it on out of here. Uh, I want to 
thank our guest tonight, Lane Forsythe. What a good story, man. Um, having another Mississippi State Bulldog on, it's always good to get perspective from another player, but also, you know, coming off the big Super Bulldog weekend and a big series victory over uh, rival Ole Miss, it's, it's always fun to, to get a chance to talk to those guys when they've had big highs like that. But if you like hearing Lane's story or you just like hearing us average Joes talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. We'll take the thumbs up. We'll take the hearts. We'll take the hugs, the loves, the amazing, beautiful comments that you guys always have. We'll take it all. We'll see everybody in a couple of days. We got episode 28 coming at you. We're going to flip the script. We talk Mississippi State baseball tonight. On Wednesday, we're going to talk Ole Miss baseball with Mason Nichols and Riley Maddox. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.